This episode of The Interface, I chat with Wayne Morrison, former general manager of Amphenol Backplane Systems and longtime employee of both Amphenol and Teradyne. Wayne has been retired for a few years, but is still quite active with the Amphenol community, especially with his role on the Amphenol Frontline team over the last year. We talk about his work history, both with Amphenol and Teradyne. We talk about the fears he had when Amphenol acquired Teradyne and how those fears quickly vanished. We talk about his favorite part of the job, customer interactions, and why they were so important to him and the success of the business. And we discuss his Desert Island music, book, and movie. This is The Interface. I know you've been retired for a few years, but you're certainly not out of the uh, minds and uh, ear- within earshot of many people within Amphenol. So what do you still end up doing for the corporation over the last couple of years since you've been retired, sort of? <laughs> yeah, so um, kind of interesting. I, you know, I had a, my my career kind of was in two pieces. I, I uh, spent the first 22 years of my career with Teradyne. Um, and then I just where the intersection of when we were acquired by the company, I then had another 11 or 12 years as a full-time employee working for Amphenol. That entire stretch, 30, 33, 34 years was all within the same high speed Mm -hmm. um, business. And so whether we were working for Teradyne or whether we were working for Amphenol, that business in total transferred. So a lot of relationships that get built up through the years and, you know, the business is never constant. It's always in a state of change. And for me, that provided a great deal of uh, opportunity to do a lot of different things over the years. And as a result of that, I always say I, I spent a lot of time in my career working with customers and, um, you know, the, the relationships you build is, the you know, that's all about uh, gaining trust. And I don't think it's any different inside the company. And, and so over an extended period of time, with a lot of continuity, not just myself, but a lot of the management team being there for a long time, relationships get built. And, and that's led to, you know, even after I retired, the opportunity to, um, to reach out and stay engaged. So whether that was sales training or, you know, helping to run a sales, um, international sales meeting, um, mm-hmm. when, when FCI and, and, uh, came into the company, it was the first big, you know, meeting we were going to have. It's a lot of work and yeah. the, the management team was all but consumed with, with getting the pieces in place and running the business. And oh, yeah. so that was an opportunity to help, you know, pull together, a, 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 I forget what it was close to 400 people. I think that, you know, the first time to kind of kick it all off and get people on the same page. So doing things like that, leadership training has been a concern for the company and it's been a, a high on Bill Doherty's list for AICC as the business has gotten larger and more complicated and many, many more products. So working with Mimi and some of the management team in that regard. And then of course, what nobody saw coming, right? Uh, a year ago, uh, we were hearing uh, of a virus in China and the yeah. next thing we knew, you know, that was, was all consuming for the next year. So being part of the, com- the corporate group's COVID-19 task team has yeah. been a year long process. So it's been interesting. It's been great to stay engaged and, it hasn't been dull and it hasn't been boring. I can tell you that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I know the, the COVID team is how you and I got to know each other over the last year. But what do you miss? Is there, is there anything you miss, I should say, about the day-to-day grind of you know working with the teams and going into a facility and 
you know, managing day-to-day operations and strategic plans and visions and all that. Is that what do you miss the most about that? Well, I, I would have, I mean, the first thing that comes to mind is when you work with a group of people for a long period of time, there's this sense of, um, you know, team and camaraderie and you, you, there is the grind and there is the, you know, it's not always, you know, it's not always roses in the business. The business goes up and down has a life of its own. You deal with crazy customers that have, you know, their own schedules and, but I, I certainly the day-to-day interaction with the people that I worked with for a long time was a hard thing to walk away from. I'm very fortunate. Um, I'm one of those people that uh, when I retired, it was a hard decision to make. Not 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 one where I was dying to you know to do something completely different. Mm-hmm. I think the thing that is uh, you know, the, the challenge when you're in this business and you're in the fray is. For me and my roles, it was a lot of travel. It was a spending an, un, a, yeah. an inordinate amount of time on airplanes. And, you know, that seems funny now in, <laughs> in uh, 2020, 2021 when, uh, you know, the world is in a different place. But to do the job, you are always needed to be in some far-flung part of the world. And I don't miss, I certainly don't miss the the grind that was associated. And, and not, by the way, the fun part of the job was actually being in all those places and seeing the people sure. and working with customers. The grind was getting the there. physical and mental toll of getting there yeah. and getting back, and yeah. so I don't I don't miss that. But I I I really had a great deal of affection for the people that I worked with, and after a long period of time, at some point in your career, it's no longer really a job. It's much more of about being part of something and feeling like you're making a contribution. And you know, I I, I had the I had the great benefit of working with a great group of people, so um, I do miss that. I I can totally understand and and sympathize with that too, because you're right. I think it does, you can really consider yourself lucky if you get to a point where it's not just, doesn't just feel like I got to go in and do this job. Like you genuinely get excited in the morning to go in and go, I want to see what we could accomplish today. And it sounds like you were lucky enough to have that in your role over the years. Yeah. And I I think uh, because of the, the high speed, business is great. The challenge of the business is the product life cycle is short. Um, Mm -hmm. Customers are always demanding more bandwidth. You're not stationary very long. And if, and if you are, you're in trouble. Yeah. So you're always trying to, you know, to chase uh, and, and, and stay in front of it. And I think because of that, you know, that business uh, that now that Bill Doherty is running that Rick Schneider ran before, and that I was a part of all those years, has an incredible talent pool and a set of, you know, skills and tools that have really carved out a very differentiated business in many ways. So mm-hmm. it's very, it's very hard to replicate the engineering know-how, the, the uh, tools it takes to, you know, what was once a very mechanically driven business about, you know, form, fit and function has become an electrical engineering, you know, the high speed uh, requirements of our customers has really forced us to put in place a, a unique set of skills. And, and for that, it's really in many ways, we've become an extension of our customer base and it's, and it's allowed us to, you know, really become an important part of how they develop new products. And so if you do that, well, it really becomes a way of really getting your teeth and, and being able to maintain and grow your business. And we, I think the business has done a great job of that. Yeah, you bring up an interesting point too. And, uh, going to sound like I'm buttering you up a little bit here, but I think for people like yourselves and, and those that are in your your class, your your age range and, and your experience range, 
you know, you talk about that knowledge that that you guys have, and it's not just something that once you decide to leave that you just you know, you, you take all your files and your folders and your computer and you put them in a shared drive and someone opens them and goes, oh, okay, I have all the answers. That's that's not it. It's so much more than that. And that knowledge, if you can somehow extract as much as you can and and help people out as you're consulting now and advising now and you're, you know, mm-hmm. you're, uh, you know, a consigliere, you're Tom Hagen now, I guess is what you are, <laughs> right? So, uh-huh. I mean, it's that knowledge is, is almost... Uh, it's it's indispensable, and there's you can't put a price tag on it. And if you're able to share as much of that as you can um, over the years, that's invaluable to to sustain the success of the business. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I've come to realize, um, you know, the the quality of the people inside of AICC and inside of Amphenol is pretty. I mean, p- part of one of many roles I had was I, I got. To, to kind of be, a, I don't know, an executive key account manager, if you will, at some of the largest accounts at mm-hmm. the time for the company. And, um, you know, we operate very independently as businesses. And so a lot of times you don't get to see what's going on um, or even get to know some of the folks in some of the other businesses. But because I was working on the customer front, which is where a lot of the different business intersect, right? you know, customers want to have a simple... <laughs> model of how they do business and right. you know th- when you've got five amphenol groups all selling into the organization you also have executives that all have business goals and plans and trying to trying to organize all of that and make that seem seamless to customers it gave me a great window into the power of the company and it also a lot enabled me although i i worked with bill doherty and with rick schneider and we were very focused on 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 you know how do we make that business successful I had the, uh, you know, I had a really good opportunity to get to see Adam in front of customers and work through, you know, both opportunities and problems. I got to know Jean-Luc Gavel and I, you know, Zach Rayleigh and Martin Booker. And, you know, the, I, I got exposure to, you know, a lot of the different elements of the business. And I saw how the senior management team is able to, you know, take what is a very complicated model to, do, to sometimes ex, uh, explain to customers, but see it actually work very successfully and, and, you know, the, the power of the company is the unbelievable breadth of the product offering that we have and trying to both operate independently, but also leverage those, those uh, incredible resources to, to try and, you know, beat the Tycos and the Molexes and the, the competition. And I think we have a, a really great model, but it takes, in the end, it takes people to intersect that and make it work. Yeah, yeah you're right, too, because the customer doesn't care that, you know, this guy's Amphenol Industrial and this guy's Amphenol RF and this guy's, you know, ICC. They just want to talk to Amphenol. And if you're the one who has to manage that relationship, it's a tall task. But you're right. It is a good one. And it's one that you learn a tremendous amount about how the entire corporation works and that it all in this odd sort of way just comes together and works well. Yeah, I mean, I, I think um, if you've ever heard Adam do the company pitch in front of a customer, it's a really powerful message. But what, what makes it really get traction is when people in the organization can actually execute against that and make those things all happen. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, at, in front of the customers is where that really, the reality of it has to happen. And I, I think the company has done a, an incredible job of um, managing such a diverse and, and broad product line and so many people. I, I think the, the, the ability to do that is, is why the company with all these acquisitions and as we've gone from, I don't know, 
I think when we first, when I was first part of Infinol, it was less than a couple of billion dollars. And mm -hmm. I know, you know, we're, we're heading to, you know, the goal is to get up much higher than that. Yeah. Um, you know, and the expansion and the growth of the company in part is based on us being able to tell that story and make things happen. And as the customers grow and we start dealing with different customers all the time, it wasn't all that long ago we were, you know, we dreamt of being an Apple and some of those, you know, high tech companies that we, we weren't really dealing with. And, and now the names keep changing, but the company keeps getting bigger. Yeah, you're exactly right. To go back to something that you uh, talked about at the beginning of the conversation that you had 22 years at Teradyne. So you had almost an entire career just with Teradyne before you even part of Amphenol. Tell us a little bit about what Teradyne was like uh, during your time there um, and how that evolved as you approached the eventual acquisition by Amphenol. So what was it like at Teradyne? Yeah, I'm sure. I, I'm sure my experience may mirror some that other. You know, most of the people in the company have come through an acquisition. I think there aren't <laughs> that so. many yeah. that, that yeah. were born in Amphenol. Yeah, I loved my time at Teradyne. I thought they were a great company. They treated people very well. There was a sense of they. They kind of modeled their their management style after HP, which at the time was a highly regarded uh, company. Um, it was a lot of great things about the company, and and I, it was in a time in, in my career when I was growing and doing and taking on a broader responsibility. And it was a terrific experience. I would have nothing but positive things to say. I went into the acquisition at the time. I was uh, I was running global sales, and I had great concerns about you know what did this mean both to me personally, what did this mean to the business, mm -hmm. how would how would things really happen at that time? Uh, Martin Loeffler was uh, was running the company. And uh, I'd have to say, you know, uh, it didn't take long to realize this was absolutely the best thing that could have happened. And, and many of the fears that we all had about making this big change uh, rapidly went away. And um, my second part of my career, the time that I got to be part of Amphenol, um, particularly for the high-speed business, we could not have been in a better place. And um, where I would say Teradyne was, was a great process-driven company and had a lot of great engineering to it. Amphenol is a much more pragmatic, a much more business savvy, um, mm. and a much more execution-driven company. And the entrepreneurial part of it, you know, I, I just couldn't say enough good things about. I, I, I don't know how many people are lucky enough to work for two great companies. I feel like I lucked out and got to be in the right place. And what made that even better was I got to, you know, th those two uh, spans of time were spent with a great group of people that I, you know, I just had a great connection to. So it was, it was really, I couldn't have asked for anything more. And the more that I know about the company and the longer I got to know some of the key people, the better I felt about it. It's, it's been nothing, but I would have nothing but positive things to say. What were your, what were your fears going into it? Well, we, uh, you know, when we were, when we were with Teradyne, uh, there was a culture, there was a style, there was an approach. It was a very consensus-driven company. You know, we liked our, we liked the. You know, we we were a bit of in our business. We were a bit of an outlier. They were making automated automatic test equipment to test chips, and we were this manufacturing company up in New Hampshire. So in some ways, we were we were kind of a you know, an odd fit for being in that that uh, company anyway. But we but anyway we we were in that culture and we we liked it and we were concerned about we didn't know it's the great unknown what we were going into. Yeah. And um, 
but in retrospect, as I think back now, uh, Amphenol is a manufacturing company. They, they invest and they, um, they know how to run businesses globally, which was really, you know, ramping up around the time we were acquired. And we were at Terradine, we were more of a North America centric company. And we really, all of the things that we most needed strategically, Amphenol brought to the table. And so I think they helped accelerate our growth. They helped us have a whole different perspective on what it meant to be a global manufacturer and, and to expand our business. So most of the fears were self-induced and, and in hindsight, we shouldn't have, we didn't need to worry about any of them, but that's human nature, you know, a, a big change like that, especially later in, you know, middle, middle part or later in your yeah. career, you know, there's a lot of uh, unknowns and, uh, but in hindsight, it couldn't have, it couldn't have turned out any better. Now, your background, as you came up through college and all that, is business, correct? Yeah, I I, I, um, I was a business major. I went to the University of New Hampshire. Yeah. Um, my first <laughs> my first work experience actually before Tara and I was a short stint at a, a GE wire and cable plant in Lowell, Massachusetts. Okay. And uh, GE, very different company, much more bureaucratic. And, uh, you know, I, I won't spend a lot of time talking about GE, but I did get my MBA while I was uh, I, I was a supervisor and, and uh, worked, I think it was like four or five years uh, at GE and got my MBA. Yeah. I was living in New Hampshire and, um, you know, at the time, Teradyne, Teradyne was hiring at their printed circuit board shop. And that was my entry, entree into um, the high tech business. How difficult was it for you? Were you a technical guy? Or did you have to become no. one? You had to learn from scratch because no, I, I, we're talking about a pretty complex technology at Teradyne and ultimately, you know, TCS and Amphenol. So as a business major, I know, I mean, I was a communications major, which means, yeah. you know, I, I studied movies and radio. So <laughs> I had to learn it all from scratch when I got here. How was it for you, especially for something as complex as that? Yeah, no, I, I think for me it was... Um, you know, I, I, you know, you know what you know, and and uh, I think the culture of bo at both Teradyne and at Amphenol was you roll up your sleeves, you get involved, mm -hmm. uh, and you learn. And uh, when I started, I, you know, I, I knew almost nothing about the business. Yeah. And uh, fortunately, I had the opportunity to do a lot of different. You know, every couple of years, um, I was fortunate enough to somebody tap me on the shoulder, and something I wouldn't have even you know thought of, and would had come up and. You know, I, I had a lot of different, you know, we, the business went through a series of inflection points. We started out, the, the business was really mill arrow based when I started. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, there was this collection of products and a, a list of customers. And over time, there was an emerging, you know, opportunity for our technology in the commercial side of things. And over time, that grew to a, at a much faster rate. And, you know, we had to a, adapt to a different, broader set of products and a faster clock speed of the business and how commercial customers acted and, you know, and, and at various points, uh, you know, there was economic things, there was, you know, world events, there was, you know, the bubbles burst, you know, the, the business had to keep morphing. And we had, you know, I did a thing one time where we looked at our customers over an extended period of time. And you, if you, if you looked at your customer base and who was really your, your large customers driving the business, that, that list of customers changes constantly. And, and if you looked at them today, yeah. a lot of them, you know, weren't even on your roadmap a few years ago. And the only thing I know for sure is that's always going to be the case. It's always going to change. And I think that the beauty of working in that business is if you can survive it and if you can get the skill sets in place, it creates a huge 
opportunity for all the people that are in that business and, and um, career paths that you wouldn't ever think you'd have on opportunities to do things you never thought you would do. And I was lucky enough to be part of that. And your last job, it was GM of the Cable Backplane Systems Group? I did, like I said, I did a lot of things. I, the, I, for about 10 years, I was, uh, I was a, the vice president of sales when we were at Teradyne. I was a global director of sales when I was at, at Amphenol. Mm-hmm. And towards the end of that, I wanted to, I wanted to kind of cut back on the travel part of it. I was trying to, you know, kind of have a different trajectory as I got towards the end of my career. And at the time, uh, we were developing kind of an interesting technology. Uh, uh, my last uh, role as a GM, I had been a GM of, a, of the backplane assembly business mm-hmm. earlier in my career. And customers were starting to, to play with uh, cable backplane systems, which are very complex, yeah. um, kind of a niche business at the time. But, but customers were experimenting with a rat's nest of wires and cables yeah. and very complicated, high-end, high-performance products. And um, so I had an opportunity for a couple of years to work with another group of people on a kind of, you know, a, a startup business. Uh, I, the business is still, you know, out there and growing. And, and uh, you know, it's, it's so typical of Amphenol where there's so many different opportunities. There's so many different product spaces and our customers keep experimenting with different ways of getting bandwidth and accomplishing the things that they need to do with their customers. So it was a it was interesting. It, it's still going, um, and I think it's uh, you know it's it's one of those things where you have to keep placing different bets out there to see which way the technology is going to go. Sure, yeah, and still happens to this day around the corporation that you yeah. you try to do different things like that. Um, yeah, one of the things I think about throughout my entire career, the thing that I always navigated or migrated to, and the thing that always interested me the most was customers. And whether I was at a GM role or a sales role, or I don't know, uh, I, I was an account manager, I was a product manager. The thing that always kind of, I, I, I tended to feel connected to was what, what's the customer doing with the product? Mm. And uh, the ability to kind of get some exposure to that, to go visit customers, to see how our products are being used, to understand what's driving them. Why do they ask the crazy things that they ask? Why, you know, the, the pressure for deliveries, for price, for, you know, w- what's that all about? And being able to swim around in that environment, I think helped me to understand and to take back into our operations, a different perspective on why the business and, and what it takes to be successful. And how do you translate all those things that make Amphenol, the set of goals, of, you know, the specific high goals that Amphenol sets around growth and mm-hmm. profitability. How do you merge those with customers' needs? And um, and how do you get people on the floor to think about why this is important? Why, why, why do we have to do this well? And I always found that to be very interesting work and stuff that excited me. And it, and it does to this day. Minus the getting there part. Do you miss sitting down in front of customers and developing that relationship? And maintaining it and growing it. Yeah, I, I think that relationships are really, to me, that's that's one constant. Whether it's dealing with employees, whether it's dealing with customers or suppliers, the way that you succeed in any business, I think, is you build trust with the people that you're working with. You know, sales has sometimes a, a connotation of a fast-talking, slick uh, person trying to sure. you know, kind of hoodwink the customer into giving you the order. Yeah, and I, and I don't think the best salespeople are not. They don't. They don't act that way. I think the best companies don't act that way. The salespeople are really about building strong relationships and about 
you know, we're not in this for a one-off. We're in this for the long run. We want we want our customers when there's a problem. We want them to turn to Amphenol. We don't we don't want we don't want a quick, you know, give me the PO. We don't want a transactional relationship. Maybe in some businesses there, there's certainly there's certainly some element of that. But in the high-speed interconnect space that I played in, we invested a lot in developing long-term relationships. We, we we wanted to be a trusted partner. Uh, whether that's in the design phase or, you know, I always, one of the things I always appreciate about Amphenol and Teradyne before that was when there's a problem in our business, you didn't have to wait long. We ran towards that problem to try and fix it for our customers. And I think, I, I think I said this the other day, I, I feel like that's also the same behavior that the company has demonstrated during the COVID pandemic, where we've actually done some amazing things to help protect our, our employees and I know that in the long term, that the with our customers, they certainly value that. They know that when the proverbial hits the fan, they yeah. can count on Amphenol to get it to fix it and to make it right. And some of our strongest relationships with customers have started with some catastrophe, whether that was the customers making or our own, or you know, a competitive failure. You know, sometimes you kill yourself trying to get a a meeting with some VP at the customer and you can never get it. And then there's a fire, <laughs> there's a big event. Yeah. And all of a sudden yeah. you got a, you got an audience with, you know, people you could never see before. And that's, that's a great opportunity to really prove, you know, your worth. And, and it's also when somebody like an Amphenol can really build lasting image of, you know, that's the people we want because when, when it really counts, they're going to show up and they're going to make it right. And I think that segues nicely into one of your roles now, even though you're not active in the day-to-day -day operations, you're still a part of the Amphenol family as, as I guess we'll call it a consultant, and they bring you in as an advisor from time to time and sales training and whatnot. Do you say a lot of these same things to, to those people that you talk to during you know, training sessions or informal one-on-ones with, with people or small groups? Yeah, I mean, I, I think training's an interesting you know, it, it's a, there's a whole world of, you, you know, if you travel and you go into a bookstore at the airport, there's, there's a hundred books on, you know, selling and, you yeah. know, yeah, yeah. Um, I think one thing I've learned is, you know, there are some fundamental things that, that really matter. And um, we don't, you know, we've used a, a model, if you will, of how to, how to approach customers and how to both think about selling. And some of those principles, despite, I, I, you know, I spent some time talking about the businesses always change some things, some core values don't change. And right. I think the building trust and, and some of these things are, you know, as we've expanded and as we've added new salespeople and we're selling into new customers, we have to keep reminding ourselves of what we really need to do well. And uh, some of the best customers, for example, some of the best salespeople that we have spend more time asking questions than they do making PowerPoint pitches to our customers. Mm. The first, the first, uh, you know, order of business is to really understand what problem you're trying to fix and, and how you can be of value to your customer. So yes, absolutely. We use a lot of those. We try and get people to think strategically about the account and to also think about, you know, the value of getting time in front of your customer and how to make that productive for the customer. So yes, we use those tools and we try and, you know, it's not one of those things, it's not rocket science. It's more in the fray, in the clock speed of the business in all of the pressures that all of our folks are, you know, trying to make the month, trying to make the quarter, trying to make the year. Mm -hmm. 
stepping back and thinking about, you know, the process and, and uh, where you are in the sales cycle and what information you need to solve that problem for the customer. And, you know, I think those things are invaluable. And so the training is, is more like a reminder in some cases, but it's also just more of a, a check to make sure you're really thinking strategically about the, and are you setting the right priorities and are you thinking about the sales campaign in the right way? So we'll get to now what you're doing when you're not doing Amphenol stuff, <laughs> right? I know you told me before we started recording that you certainly are not bored and you're keeping yourself plenty busy. So what do you like to do when you're not in work mode and it's just chill, Wayne? What do you like to do? <laughs> I know I always see you in our calls wearing golf gear. Yeah, so I assume yeah, you no. like to hit the links from time to time. No. Yeah, no, I've, uh, I have been all my life. I have been a... Uh, athletics and sports in general have always been a big part of my life. Yeah, me um, too. Yeah. They've changed over the years from, you know, you know, the things that I, I, uh, I, I'm, I love a lot of different things, but you know, my sport today is, has, and for a long time has been golf. And so, um, that gives me, uh, you know, that's one of the things I like to do. And when the, when the snow melts and the, and the weather turns, um, that's a great outlet for me. And, uh, that's where I spend a bunch of my time, but I'm also, you know, I, I'm always involved in, you know, whatever the sport is. I mean, we have the Super Bowl coming up. We've got, you know, yeah. different things going on. And that's a great outlet for me. And and that's, uh, you know, all the years I was working and traveling, uh, physical fitness, running. I've, uh, you know, one of the great things about uh, most of the hotels out there, they all have a treadmill or they all have a little workout area. Even though it may be looking at the dumpster, I always found a way to, you know, to, you know, I think Adam has a great, uh, description of wanting people to, he wants the whole person to, to, you know, to be an Amphenolian, to be successful. He, he doesn't want martyrs. He wants people that are bringing their full self to the, to the job. And, and I think for me, things like running and, and outlets like that uh, were a way to um, make you feel whole and make you feel like, you know, energized and feeling like, you know, this is not, this isn't the grind. This is really, you know, a great opportunity. So I'm going to end on this. We've been ending on uh, having a little bit of fun and getting to know people uh, from a different perspective than work or anything like that. I stick you, Wayne, on a desert island by yourself. Yeah. And I give you, you're allowed to bring one album, one book, and one movie. So album, what album would you bring with you on a desert island? I don't know. I'm a big Bruce Springsteen fan. Okay. Um, and, uh, you know, any, any of, you know, today when you say album, you, you're dating both of us, but I do remember. I, album. I know, but you know what? It's my show. I make the rules. Yeah. So I'm an yeah. album guy. So, yeah. Yeah. so uh, yeah, I, I, one of the benefits of having a little bit more free time is I, uh, I, I very much enjoy, uh, listening to music and yeah. he's, he's high on my list. Older Bruce or newer Bruce? Yeah, I, you know, he's he's amazing. He's a great role model for, uh, you know, he's into his 70s. He's still putting out music and it's still really good. So, yeah, I mean, and, I and does I, three and a half hour shows, which are ridiculous. Yeah, uh, yeah. There's a guy who loves what he does. And yeah. uh, those are the people that, uh, you know, it doesn't take long to know to, to to see that somebody's in the right line of work because it's not a, it's not a job. It's it's uh, something he loves to do. Yeah, I don't think he'd survive without it. Be one of those guys. Yeah, about, the, uh, the, pan, the pandemic has been a tough stretch for anybody in the entertainment business. Yeah, that, that is for sure. Because um, they're not making a lot of money on sales. So yeah. those are kind yeah. of a dying breed. It's the aforementioned yeah. albums we just discussed. Uh, how about a book? 
I'm reading a lot of different things. I'm reading one now about the splendid and the vile about Winston Churchill and, and uh, you know, the, the World War II and, and mm-hmm. some of the, you know, I, I re- I'm kind of eclectic on reading. I, I do a lot of different things. I, I'll pick up Stephen King's for, you know, to kind of the, the yep. fun reading, but a lot of different stuff. But yeah, I, I tend to look at the New York Times list of, you know, the top books and we'll pick one off. My, my wife's a big reader too, so we enjoy that. You know, I think curiosity was kind of a key thing to be in sure. in our business. Yeah. And I think it spills over into, you know, interest in a lot of different things and, and uh, you know, different people. And so, um, you know, I'm apt to, to, to kind of bounce between, you know, biographies about, you know, reality and real people and their, yeah. their situation and also some of the more, you know, stuff that's out there. I'm exactly the same way. Yeah. I'll go from, yeah. you know, rereading It by Stephen King to... Yeah. You know, the new Ulysses S. Grant biography, yeah. you know. Yeah. So yeah, I, you know, I'm the same way. Another another outlet for me has been, you know, part of depending on where you are in your career or in your life. I, I've been involved with UNH in the business school and advisory thing. Yeah. Um, they have a mentoring program. So I, I staying connected in a lot of different ways with a lot of different people. I mean, it's kind of interesting to you know, there's a point in your career where you, you all of a sudden realize your frame of reference is very different from the people you're talking to. And, <laughs> yeah. and uh, I'm me, starting me, to get that, that way. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you, you realize that, uh, yeah, but it's helpful to, you know, to, to have a whole different touch set of tough touch points, because I think it keeps you kind of engaged. And, uh, yeah. you know, the, I'm, ama- I'm amazed that, um, you know, the world that I started in when I first started my career and what a graduate student going into the workforce now and the tools and the, you know, the pace and the, you know, the, the using the use of kind of social media and the world is just very different. Yeah. And uh, so it's interesting sometimes to be able to, you know, I, I think staying engaged is, is, and, and part of my interest in always staying plugged into Amphenol world, I think it keeps you young and it keeps you, you know, up to speed on things that are going on. So it's great to, be able to pick your spots and do the things you want to do. But it's also great. That's a great feeling to be able to do some mentoring and to feel like you can contribute something uh, back and, and help somebody else. No, I, I couldn't agree more. That's that's for sure. And uh, lucky enough to do something similar here as well. Yeah. So last one then, Desert Island movie. That's a good one. I, you know, I haven't been to a movie in a long time, but I, you know, I have, I would have to say I'm a Netflix guy. So I've been watching a lot of these, you know, Used to be movies went to the big screen. Now they go right to uh, yeah, the small screen. I think the last one I I, I we we kind of binged watched was um, the uh, the chess one. The uh, what's her name? Uh, oh, Queen's Gambit. Queen's Gambit, which yeah. I thought was really great. That was that was something I would have never you know picked out of a lineup and said that that would be really uh, interesting. And uh, but uh, I thought that was great. A great series. So okay. So, so I, I, I might go away from a movie and say I, I I pick one of these. I like I like the uh, binge watching some of these when you can go off the commercials and you can watch episode after episode. So, so you're the second person in a row who decided to do this. <laughs> <laughs> the last yeah. person I talked to said the same thing. Like, uh, can yeah. I pick a Netflix or can I pick a series? Said, ah, fine. You know, I thought maybe a guy from New England like yourself, you'd pick, uh, you know, yeah. Friends of Eddie Coyle or something like yeah. that. You know, that was a good movie, though. It was a good movie. Yeah. Robert Mitchum. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, I, I uh, my wife and I both uh, enjoy uh, movies a lot. So yeah. uh, that's yeah. another uh, another good. Uh, you know, we learn a lot from that. And, and 
as much as there's a lot of junk out there, there's some really good stuff. There sure is. Well, listen, Wayne, I thank you for taking the time to do this today. I really appreciate it. Um, you know, I know that you're well-respected around the corporation uh, and your help, obviously, uh, as part of the, the frontline team for Amphenol has been greatly appreciated by many, especially when it comes to the, the temperature screening and the wearables devices. So thank you very much for doing this. Great opportunity for me and another group of people that I might not have met otherwise and, uh, you know, feel really good about the work we did. So it's been an, it's been an honor to be part of that. Thanks, Wayne. I appreciate, I appreciate it. Appreciate it.